There it is. Let's see, Tim, get us a little testy test there. I am testing this microphone. That was nice. You should have heard it. It was a nice sound. Welcome back. Another episode. This is your host, Keanu Trujillo. And we have Tim joining us in the studio hello, hello. again. You all got to get to know Tim last week, and we just were inspired to get on another episode and, and talk about a topic. We actually started a conversation. We started talking about it amongst each other because we are teachers and coaches and developers of other people. And we really like to see some of the things that hold people back from developing, or we happen to notice things that hold them back from developing. And we realize that oftentimes it's themselves and maybe they don't know it or they haven't identified it. So we started getting into this conversation and I put a pin in it. I interrupted Tim right in the middle of his sentence. And I said, hold on, we got to get on we got to get on the podcast. We got to record this one. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, we were having a conversation about how a lot of times what we perceive as our weakness or our dysfunction um, can actually turn into something that's really helpful. And we were talking specifically with like feedback, teachability, humility, and how it's something I've been good at for a long time. Yeah. But it came from insecurity. And it came from, I just want you to tell me what to do so then I can do it so that I can impress you or please you or you won't think poorly of me. And of course, as an Enneagram type three, my goal is to be impressive and I want you to think highly of me and, and those kinds of things. But, you know, over the years, I realized how helpful of a skill it is to always be looking to learn. Mm-hmm. Because even if you're really good, you're considered an expert in your field, there's always something that you can be learning. There's always new research. There's always new ideas coming out. Um, and it can be so incredibly helpful, but it does take kind of that posture of humility and learning. And I remember uh, several years ago, I was watching this webinar, and it was on a topic that I had gotten a lot of training on, but I had paid for the webinar. And so at first, I was kind of like, ah, this isn't going to be helpful. But I just decided, hey, I'm going to go into this with the mindset of, there's something here that I can learn. I can learn something from everybody. So even though this might be stuff that I've uh, you know, gotten training in, I'm going to pay attention. And the guy had typos in his PowerPoint. And, you know, I was kind of being judgmental about that. And I was like, I'm going to learn something. And he noticed one of the typos in his PowerPoint. And he was like, ah, I guess there's a, there's a typo here in my presentation. Oh, well, done is better than perfect. Wow. And then he just kept moving right along. And at first that like kind of made me mad. I was like, no, it's not (laughs) like you should, you're a professional. Like you shouldn't have typos in your presentation. Right. But I was in the mindset to learn something. And so I've molded that over and, uh, it really helped me because over the years I've kind of really adapted that into my, and you've heard me say it (laughs) even as we've been working together. Um, because the reality is, you know, I'm kind of a car guy. And so your boss might just need a vehicle to get them from point A to point B, right? And they just need to do it like as cheap as possible. So they're really kind of asking you for a Kia, right? Mm. Nothing against Kias. They're great cars. They're just very cheap, right? Inexpensive. They get you from A to B. But if you go out and buy them a BMW to be impressive, now you've wasted resources. You've wasted money. Mm. We just need to get to A to B. We don't need to do it in style, you know? (laughs) Wow. Um, So that's been a really, really helpful thing for me. Um, you know, as I have kind of progressed in leadership, 
I've done is better than perfect, but I yeah. only got it because I was in the mindset to learn. Right. Right. I was tempted to be judgmental. I was tempted to be like, man, this guy's not going to have anything to teach me. But I think it has to start if you're going to be, you know, a person that's teachable. It has to start there with just, I'm, I can learn something from anyone. Yeah. Setting the mindset up front. Well, you know, first the Kia versus the BMW, that sounds like a whole other episode in and of itself. So we're going to have to revisit that, right? The done is better than perfect and finding validation in that. But, you know, getting to the point of humility and teachability, if you didn't set your mindset going into that class, do you think you would have caught that? No, because I've done it before hmm. where I'm listening to something and I'm kind of more in like, I'm the expert mindset. Yeah. And then I don't hear anything they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and instead I'm just kind of like getting through it. Yeah. And we miss it. We're so close to it and we just end up missing it because we're not in the proper mindset. And I like hearing your story about how you've always been someone to be very teachable and you want to learn from people, but knowing that it came from insecurity and wanting just people to tell you what to do so you can, then you can do it right. Mine is the opposite. And it comes from insecurity as well. Mm -hmm. Mine was the opposite. I wouldn't ask anyone for help. I wouldn't ask anyone for guidance because I just wanted to figure out or I didn't want to look weak, right? Type eights, we don't want to look weak or powerless or vulnerable. And if I'm asking you for help, think about the very nature of asking for something. Really listen. Listeners, absorb this. If you're on the treadmill, if you're driving to work, if you're brushing your teeth, if you're in the shower, whatever it is, take this in. To ask for something in and of itself signifies you don't have something, mm -hmm. right? So think about that in the lane of asking for help or asking for guidance. You're saying, I have none. And that can either be something that stops you from asking for help because like I was, you don't want to look weak. And if I'm honest, that's a tension that I still experience, right? I don't want to ask because then I don't know. But when you ask and you admit, I don't, I don't have it, then you put yourself in a great place to take in. And a great place to learn. And so putting yourself in that place of humility, it was a tough thing for me. And I really missed out on a lot of opportunities. Uh, I really missed out on a lot of great relationships where now I've actually gone some extra lengths to go back to some relationships that I've had to mend some fences and just apologize to say, mm -hmm. I, I could have learned so much from you, but I was so uh, prideful or I was so arrogant or stubborn where I was really insecure, I was really weak, and I didn't want to admit that. I didn't want to ask for help. And people miss that all the time because they don't want to make themselves humble or teachable. There's a quote that I am uh, I open every class with on our platform. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Have you heard that before? Yes, sir. Yeah, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So it's not that you're learning anything new. It's that you were ready to take it in. So in the beginning of every class, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. If you are ready, you are going to take something away from this class, mm -hmm. whether it's from the content or the delivery or a paradigm shift, or even just in my communication style, you will take something away if you're looking for it. But likewise, if you're looking for flaws, if you're looking for reasons not to listen, you're going to find it. So be in the proper mindset. Don't rob yourself of that opportunity to learn something impactful or even life-changing. Yeah, that's really big. And, and even if sometimes it's just what not to do uh, exactly. <laughs> that you can learn from. Uh, but the other thing, too, is like people know and they can tell when you're in that posture. And so there's a lot of conversations that I could tell the person maybe you know, they weren't going to share a whole lot with me, but because I was, you know, interested or because I asked questions or yeah. the really great things usually come when you've shown interest, mm -hmm. when that person knows like, 
this person's really paying attention and I can trust that they're going to go and do something with this. Yeah. And then you start to get more out of people in conversation because you're showing that humility. It's very attractive to people. Right. You know, it's kind of how we were designed to be is help each other. And so when you put yourself in that posture, people can tell, and that's when they're going to really give their best yeah. to you. Yeah, that's it. Exactly it. They, they know that it's going to be uh, in, a worthy investment of their time. I look for that in people. Um, when I was doing more direct and private coaching before we launched True Strategy, the platform, I would look for that in someone when I would do a meeting to see if we're going to work together. I wanted to see if they were teachable because there's nothing worse then coaching someone or developing someone and they're saying, you know, I know, I knew that, I heard that, I read that once. Well, when I was this, that one time, I I'm done with you. You know, you know enough already. And especially me as an eight, I'll get real frustrated. And, you know, I've fired clients before in love, in in kindness, right? I didn't just course, you know, drop them. But it was like, hey, I am not going to waste your resources, your money or your time. And likewise, I, I value mine too much because you have to have that teachability and that humility you know, I have mentors and people that I will call and anytime that I can get on a call with them, I treat it for the gold that it is. There is a very, very true saying that says if people don't pay, they don't pay attention, mm -hmm. right? They can get things for free and they'll just miss it. They'll just miss it. But when you pay, you have some skin in the game, you pay attention. Well, I used to very much so be like that. So now, you know, I'm connected to some coaches and some people that will let me into their platforms or into their coaching circles. And I treat it like I spent every single cent. I treat it like I just dropped, you know, $4,000 on that package or whatever it was. And I'll lean into it in that way because it is so true. Like there's so much there, you know, honestly, Tim, when you created our boundaries course, you created our boundaries course and I asked you to create it and you mm -hmm. were, you were more than happy. Actually, I think you said you were going to create it. Yeah. And I said, yes, I'd love for you to, right? Cause boundaries, like I wouldn't even know where to begin. And, uh, you've studied a lot at Dr. Henry cloud's feet to understand that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when we were reviewing the courses before we launched the platform, um, I went to start to listen to it. And my first thought was, I'm going to listen to this as, you know, CEO of true strategy. I'm going to listen to this to like, all right, is it on brand or whatever? Right. And then I said, wait, 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 I'm going to miss it because that's not how anyone else is listening to this. I cleared my head. I was working out one morning and I said, all right, I'm going to listen to this course. I'm going to go through this course and I'm going to take it in as if I just purchased this platform. I'm in here, man, boundaries are really something I need to work on. And I, I got Tim and he's going to teach me. And I put myself in that mindset and I was severely impacted by it. But it was all just a matter of the mindset. The content mm -hmm. didn't change. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's really big. I mean, especially with the world of there's so much free content out there. Right. And if you didn't pay money for it, you are paying your time for it, you know, when you're listening to it. Yeah. And so even if, you know... Uh, you didn't pay money for, you can still really be in that mindset to, yeah. you are paying something, you're That's paying right. your time, That's which right. you can't get back. Money you can get back, you know, but yeah. uh, time you never get back, so. Well, we had uh, we had Michael Pink on the show uh, a few episodes back. Michael Pink, if you are a person in sales, you need to hear his story, you need to engage with his content, go back and listen to that episode. Uh, but he really paid a compliment at the end of it. And I was really honored. And, and I share this in uh, all humility. But he said, Keanu, people aren't developed when you spray all kinds of information at them. They're not developed because you teach them all kinds of things. They're developed when someone can ask the right questions, empathize, connect with them, and bring them to the table to want the development. That's when people are developed. And he went on to say, Keanu, that's a gift that I see in you. And I really appreciate it. And I was honored by it. Absolutely. It's hard to take compliments, but I really did appreciate it. 
And that's our model. You know, that is our approach. Our approach is not to spray you with a whole lot of information, give you a lot of information. You can find all of it. Tim, it's the scariest thing. I can go find out how to do brain surgery tomorrow. Right. Right? It's true. <laughs> Terrifying. It's true. I could find out how to do brain surgery tomorrow, right? But it, having a, with all the information that's out there, but having a, someone that can actually sit there and walk through it with you of, you know, okay, I learned this course now. How do I, how, what do I do with it, right? How do I, how do I apply it? Or maybe where do I need to apply it? Or even having someone that coaches you that says, maybe you need to lean into the self-awareness course. That's a tough thing to say. Can you even imagine saying that to someone? Yeah, right? I mean, that's, that would be big. That'd be tough. Yeah. But knowing in love that, hey, there's something there. And, and I think that you have an opportunity to grow there. And then the person being humble enough and teachable enough to take it in. And being willing to say, if that person said it, then that is an investment in and of itself. Because you don't invest into things that you think are going to zero. Absolutely. Right? You don't, when, when, when GameStop was going to the moon, people threw their money at it because it was going to the moon. Then when it started going down, people started pulling out of it. So when your leader or you as a leader, when you're investing into somebody or you're being invested into, know that that's because they believe in your stock, man. You know, take that for what it is, not uh, thinking that you know everything and not putting yourself in a humble place. You're going to miss it. Yeah. And I, I tell all my coaches at my uh, fitness business, when I hire them, I say, I'm going to give you a lot of feedback and a lot of coaching. And the reason is be, it's because I believe in you. Yeah. If I ever stop giving you feedback and coaching, it's because I've stopped believing in you. So yeah. that's when you need to be, you know, scared. But don't be afraid of the feedback, right? Sometimes it's not very hard to hear, or sometimes it is hard to hear. Yeah. <laughs> but it truly is a gift when you have someone who can do that for you. And, yeah. and uh, you know, seeing feedback as a gift, is it's hard to do. You have to kind of be confident enough in yourself to receive it. Yeah. But it can be huge. And so you were talking about coaching people. I want to try and see if we can do that as best we can from a podcast, okay? Okay. I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's go. It's going to be fun. Let's do it. So let's talk about the Enneagram and let's talk about type, you know, uh, receiving feedback. Let's talk about being teachable, being humble, and let's talk through the nine types. Let's do it. And maybe kind of what would be mo whatever you think would be most helpful as far as how they receive feedback, what keeps them from being teachable, what keeps them from learning. Yeah. And we'll, we'll kind of do a, a quick lightning round. And we're going to start with type it. eight. I love it. Yeah, that's the easy one because it should be, right? It should be the easy one. And and I love it because when my back's against the wall, that's the best to me. Like I literally, I'm having a physiological response right Let's now. Let's go. Like my skin's tingling like I just got pre-workout because it's like Tim just put me on the spot. I got to do it. Um, but starting with type eight, it is really easy. I love coaching. Not easy. It's easy now because all the hard work has been done. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love coaching type eights because it's like looking in a mirror and I'm like, Hey, come on, it's going to hurt, but we're going to make it through because I've been right where you were at. Right. Um, but for a type eight, I alluded to it earlier. And what I'm going to do is why each type is afraid to ask for help or why each type isn't humble in, um, receiving guidance. Okay. So the type eight is in, like I said earlier, feeling weak or being portrayed as weak or vulnerable or helpless. They don't want to admit they don't know something. They'd rather battle you right. and go toe to toe with you and beat you up about <laughs> what they think they know than admit, I don't know. Because again, it's about being strong and they're so afraid of being vulnerable mm. because vulnerable feels like a dirty word. Brene Brown has the best studies on this, but actually in being vulnerable, you have so much more power. And I've really found that as a type eight. So type eights will resist uh, being humble or receiving feedback or receiving guidance because they think that's weakness. And truly type eights, when you transition or you have the paradigm shift, you understand that not knowing 
at all or not knowing anything or not knowing the answer actually puts you in a great position of power to receive something you didn't have before to move forward in a much stronger way. Yeah, that vulnerability is actually strength. Yes. Which we should do a whole episode on that too, but <laughs> let's move on to type nine. Let's go. So a type nine, a type nine is afraid to receive human, uh, a feedback or receive coaching or development because it will stir up something underneath the surface. Mm. And the type nine wants to move away from conflict. They want to move away from any uh, lack of harmony or unity or, or that, that comfort of having everything in harmony. And this is actually something I see in type nines and coaching them is that they will either lean heavily into the coaching or they'll run away from it entirely. Hmm. And I've seen that, in, and I see that in all types, right? But with the type nine, they'll either resist it because they don't want you to stir up what's going on inside. In right. their mind, everything's fine. It's all fine. I've, I've conformed to the desires of the other people. And, you know, I, I have some harmony in here, but it's a false harmony. It's not true harmony. It's a, there's a quote by a president. I'm not going to look it up right now because I don't know which one it is. But he says, you can have peace and you can have it today. All you must do is surrender. Wow. And what that looks like in wartime is laying down your guns. Let them take you. Let them take you hostage. Give up. You can have peace. You will have peace, but you will have been surrendered to the enemy. And that's where I think sometimes nines will live is completely surrendered to what everyone else wants from them. And they would rather do that because it brings peace or a false sense of peace than addressing it and getting underneath the surface. So the reason why type nines will resist uh, being coached or taught new things or being given feedback is because they don't want you to stir up what's going on underneath the surface. But when they do, when they do let you stir it up, they begin to see that it was a false peace yeah. and it was actually the root of all their anxiety. And then they get to see that, no, I can actually find real peace by addressing it, right? Marcus Aurelius said, the thing in the way becomes the way. In other mm -hmm. words, the obstacle is the way. Wow, that's helpful. Type nine, the peacemaker. Peacemaker. Let's move on to type one, the perfectionist. Type one, the perfectionist. You're crushing type it so one. far. Let's keep Man, it going. Oh, I'm, I'm, I got them locked and loaded, buddy. See, <laughs> that's what happens when you internalize a message. Andy Stanley talks about in communication for a change, internalize the message. This is a message that's internalized as well as application of people. So type one wants to be good. They want to be right. They want to have everything in order. And they themselves are their own biggest critic. So when you're coaching a type one or you're trying to give them feedback, the problem is they've probably already identified those flaws. They've already seen those things mm -hmm. as flaws. So for you to poke at them is not to bring it to the surface. You might think, let's say, Tim, you're a type one and I'm coaching and I'm saying, hey, you know what? This happened, but you know, maybe this part here could have been better. We can work to improve on that. I'm thinking I'm just bringing it to the surface. But what's happening in your mind is you've already beat yourself up over that. So I think I'm bringing you to the surface and you're already on the edge and I just pushed you off of it. You're like just putting salt in the wood. That's it. That's entirely it. And so the type one doesn't like receiving feedback because they don't want to be wrong. They want to be right. And it's not that they need to be right in the sense of, you know, imagine being an argument, you know, oh, you always got to be right. No, it's in the sense of they, they believe that they are good in that way, that they are right. They're doing things in the right way. So they don't like receiving feedback because they don't want to be told that they're wrong. They're going to naturally move away from from that. And that's the, that's the, what would you call it? The irony of all of it is they want to be right, but in protecting what they think is right, they end up missing out on what's actually right. Hmm. And it's because of that, that inner critic where they're beating themselves up. So then to hear from someone else that they're wrong, it just pushes them over the edge. So type ones understand that in being right, it, it, it's not always black and white. There, there are more gray areas than actual black and white. The world is not black and white, and it's not right or wrong. 
Sometimes it's just your perception of right or wrong and be open to hearing feedback in the lane of, of other ways of doing things. Yeah. So I know type one, they seek fulfillment in, in knowing that they're good. Yeah. So would it be helpful with a type one to say, hey, you're a good person. You're good at X, Y, Z. You're a good employee. You're a good coach, whatever. But let's talk about this specific area. To start with that, would that be helpful? Yes, because you're leading them in their identity. And I think, Tim, you actually had a conversation like this with one of your staff members. Uh, you're leading in the sense of knowing, hey, you're, you're good. Mm-hmm. You are a good person. You've done things right. Here's where we can grow. Yeah. Well, now at least I know you've already spoke to my uh, limiting beliefs. So you've already disarmed those. Because if you start with the correction, then now in my mind, I'm saying I'm not good enough. I'm not right. I'm terrible. Right. But if you could speak to those up front, then you can get through to that. And I think we'll need to have to do a whole other episode on that to say, what are things that you can say going in Mm. to help to disarm some of those negative beliefs with the person? Yeah, that's awesome. We got to keep moving. Type two, the helper. Type two. So the type two, the helper, the type two is driven by shame and shame that they have needs. So the reason why it's hard for type twos to receive feedback is because they're ashamed that they need help at the same time their dominant struggle is pride. So type twos are in a very, very, um, very interesting place. Mm -hmm. And I do feel for them deeply type twos. Please know that I am sharing this in utmost love and I hope that it is life giving to you ultimately after it hurts a little bit. Uh, the type two is having this issue with shame. They're having this issue with pride. And so when someone corrects them or someone helps them, they so badly want to say, I know. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't know, they want to say, I know, because they don't want to admit that they had a need again to ask for help is to admit you have, you're missing something. You have nothing. So that's why type twos will be afraid to ask for that feedback, but they'll be really quick to help you because that is what they feel their value is, is in helping others. So it's very hard for them to say, hey, I need help or I want feedback because it feels like a direct attack on on them because they have needs. And so type twos know that as much as you meet a need, you have a need. It's very helpful to remember that you can't pour from an empty glass and type twos will think that they can continue to serve and give and give and give and eventually they run out Right. and that's when they you see that very negative and unhealthy type eight come out that says, well, what about me? So I, this is a quick uh, rumble strip that I give to type eights to notice that they're going off the road is when you start making a lot of I and me statements and things start becoming very me centric, know that you're headed into unhealth because now you're trying to really battle to get your needs met because you've been meeting the needs of everyone else. So in summary, the reason why type twos will, the reason why type twos will resist getting help or getting feedback is because of that pride and then the shame that they actually have needs and type twos, it's okay to have needs. We all have needs. Yeah, we do. That's a fact. In yeah. fact, threes have a lot of needs. Type threes, the performer. This is the true test because you're sitting across from one. So I want to hear from you first. Why do type threes resist feedback? Yes. Huh? Well, you know what's interesting about that, Tim, is because you earlier had mentioned that you used to seek feedback often mm-hmm. as a type three because you were insecure and you would want people to tell you what to do. So now I'm speaking to something that you didn't really let on to, which is like, I feel like it's like a game show. This is really interesting. <laughs> I'm pulling from it. The type three doesn't want to look less than. They don't want to be perceived as less than. And one of their greatest fears is, is being seen as invaluable mm-hmm. or being unappreciated, right? That they are incompetent. And so to receive feedback for a type three, what a type three would probably be thinking thinking is, oh, that person sees me as less than. Mm -hmm. So if that person is coming to me and giving feedback, the type three is probably thinking, and you're going to get to confirm this. Oh, they must think that I'm worthless. 
they must see me in a very negative way or they must see me as less than I got to make up or I got to, you know, get ahead of this. Right. And so that's why then the type three may not be as necessarily resistant to the feedback, but it may cause some negative beliefs in receiving the feedback because I do believe that type threes are great at receiving feedback because they want to know, right. How can I be what you need me to be? Right. But it can send them into a negative tailspin because then they'll take that and say, for example, if I went to you and Tim and I said, Hey, you know what? Here's some feedback in this lane. And it's, it's, it's a small thing to me. It's just a little helpful thing to you, right? I'm investing because I care about you and leading you in that way. And you take that and say, well, that must really matter to him most. And you start going and building the BMW right. instead of the Kia. And so that's where uh, with type threes, it'd be tough to receive feedback. And it's not as much about being tough to receive feedback. It's about being very careful of what they do with that feedback. All of that is, is very accurate. Let's it's, go. Especially the part. I even had a moment there because I knew what you were going to say. And I was like, oh, yes, that makes so much sense. (laughs) Is you talking about how you want to get ahead of it. If I ask for it and I invite it, then it doesn't crush me. But if it just comes out of nowhere, then, you know, like if I, it's like, if I can just, if I can bring it on, then it doesn't hurt as much, you know, cause like, I know I need feedback. I know there's stuff I can do better. Here's maybe a couple things that I thought of that I could do better. (laughs) What do you think I could do better? You know, then it's like. Maybe I can kind of, you know, take away the, the, the pain of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was fun. I love that. That's so good. I mean, it's just type, type three's just got a ton of value. Type fours. Type fours. Type fours. Oh boy. It's so fun to watch a type four. It's, it's awkward to tell a type four that they're moody and emotional and temperamental. It's so fun to watch a type four read that they're moody and emotional and temperamental because they'll admit it. Now, if you tell a type four, they're those things. They're like, what? But if they read it, they're like, yeah, that's so true. So the type four believes they automatically exist from a place of lacking or thinking they're not enough. They believe that they are like a puzzle that's missing some of the pieces. Mm. And no matter how much they try, no matter how much they do, they will just never be enough. And so they try to overcompensate or romanticize, you know, what could be when they are enough. So if I just had that job, I would. Or if I just had that relationship, or if I just had that skill, right, then everything would be okay. Mm-hmm. Once I get that car, everything's going to be fantastic. That's why uh, in some some Enneagram assessments, they call them uh, the romantics, mm-hmm. right? And so with that, they, they tend to romanticize the future. And so with them having a hard time in receiving feedback, it would be in the lane of feeling like now you are identifying or you're directly showing me why I'm missing all the pieces. Hmm. And so when someone goes to them with feedback, then it's saying, see, I knew it. I just wasn't enough, right? I didn't have enough. If I only had, you know, Tim's skills, then I would be enough. And so it feels like you're directly pressing on that wound and confirming their belief. And so that's why, like you were saying earlier, when you can get ahead of uh, you know, speaking to those things, then it'll go a, a long way to say, hey, you have these skills because this is where type fours really fall short or really have a lot of opportunity for growth. They forget all of their skills or their talents or what they bring to the table by looking at everyone else. So they'll say, say, I'm Keanu, I'm a type four. I'll say, you know what, Tim is uh, just such a great communicator. Or Tim is just so empathetic naturally. Man, if, if I was as empathetic with him, then I'd be a great leader. And so I'm looking at, man, I just want to be empathetic like Tim. I want to be like Tim. I'm missing out on what I have and what I bring to the table. And I'm trying to be a foot when maybe I'm a hand, mm-hmm. right? And you know, we know in scripture, which scripture is it where, you know, every body part has a purpose and right. we're all part of a larger body. And so when the four realizes that, hey, man, I'm a hand and I've been over here trying to be a foot. You know, because the foot's running around kicking butt. Well, I'm a hand. I could be trying to help people up, whatever that may be, right? 
Yeah, it's like you realize that you actually have a puzzle piece that's extremely valuable to the thing. Yes. Not that you're missing one. Yep. That's cool. Yep. Uh, type five. Type five. We're rounding the corner yep, here. Yep. Type five are very, very attuned to their resources. I, I tell people it, it's most helpful in uh, coaching a type five or coaching people that are around type fives. It's like they are the person that is constantly watching. You know, on your iPhone, you have your battery notification, mm-hmm. and you used to be able to see the exact percentage always. Right. Now, if you slide down, you can see the percentage, right? But they're the kind of person that's constantly looking at those resources. They're constantly looking at it. And so with that, they operate from a place of being very attuned to their resources. And the, and with that, they always want to have enough, be enough, and know enough. Emphasis mm. on knowing enough because type fives exist entirely cerebral, entirely in their head. So if you tell them something, one, they're either going to know a little bit more about it than you do, or they're going to let you know. So they don't want to receive feedback on it or they're going to be shut down because now they didn't know enough. Mm. And their biggest fear is being realized that they don't know enough, right? Dang it. I thought I was preparing. I was actually talking to someone who's a mutual friend of ours. I won't say his name, um, but he is a very, very talented musician. Mm. And he uh, had been invited into some circles that he is more than qualified to be in these circles. And I remember he was talking to me one time and he's saying, you know, Keanu, I, I, I go into these rooms and I, I don't, I, I don't feel like I can say anything. And I'm like, why? And he said, I just don't feel like I have enough to offer. And he knows the Enneagram well. And I said, well, all right, let's talk about that. Let's unpack why you don't feel like you know enough. And he's like, yeah, man, I just feel like, what do I have to offer them? I just don't know know enough about this or that. And I said, well, what do you know? Well, I know about this and I like to talk about this. So we'll talk about that. I said, you're in that room for a reason. Mm-hmm. And then he knows the Enneagram well enough. So after having a you know people conversation, because it's people first, then the Enneagram. I said, hey, what do you know about Enneagram type five? And he's like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, (laughs) it again, it seeps up. And this guy knows a lot about it, he and his wife. Right. And so he went into that room and he didn't offer anything because he didn't feel like he had enough. And so that when you correct or you give feedback or you try to coach a type five, they'll want to know about that situation or know enough or know more than you do. And if they don't, then all of a sudden they feel attacked. They feel like their greatest fear is being realized. And so they'll move away from it or they won't want that feedback because they should have known is what they think. Yeah, this is gold. This is going even better than I thought it would. Appreciate Two it. Two more to go. Two more. Type six. Type six, driven by fear, the loyalist, right? Mm-hmm. Driven by fear in all areas, driven by anxiety, driven by fear. So when you speak to or you try to coach a type six, it's not as much about them not wanting feedback or guidance. Here's the beautiful thing about a type six. Their core desire, their core, one of their, what they pursue at their core is support, security, and guidance. Mm. So type sixes are going to be even better at threes at getting ahead of things because they really need that guidance. Like, hey, tell me what to do. So they'll actually probably ask for a ton of feedback and they'll accept it. The problem is if they're not in a good headspace to accept it, then you giving them feedback might trigger a worst case scenario that now you hate them and you're going to fire them Uh, because they are worst case scenario driven. So in that thing, type sixes are probably actually going to be really great at receiving feedback. It's actually almost a, um, uh, it's a strength and a weakness because type sixes are the kind that if you're leading them or coaching them, it sometimes takes a little bit more guidance to have them make good decisions on their own because they don't want to, they want to run everything by you. I mean, everything by you. And as a leader, you're like, I trust you go do it. Right. Right. And, uh, 
So with that, when you do give the reason why type six is not that they would resist feedback, they would take it openly more. So you can speak to their limiting or negative beliefs that now something's wrong with them and their worst case scenarios being realized that they are now hated and they're going to be fired. And now they're going to live, uh, they're going to have to, they're not gonna be able to pay rent and they're going to get kicked out of their house and they're going to live on the street. They're going to be a hobo and they're going to die alone and cold, you know? So like that's where a six minds goes. Absolutely. Well, and again, there's a lot of ways you can kind of preempt that in giving feedback, which we'll have to get to another time. That's right. We got one more to go. The type seven, the one enthusiast. More, one more. The type seven. Tim, what is the type seven? Uh, what do they long for? What do they? What, what do they want? Well, I know that they want. Uh, they want to avoid pain. Okay. okay. They want freedom. Yeah, they want freedom. They want to avoid pain. They don't want limits. They want autonomy. Right. So when someone is giving a type seven feedback or giving them guidance or coaching, how might a type seven perceive that in a negative way? That I'm taking away their autonomy and their freedom. There you go. They feel like you're placing limits on them. And so with that type seven, it, it, it's another type that is very much so driven by anxiety. And so with that, they will want some of that security and they'll want those things so long as it's not limiting to what they want. So if it feels like it's contrary to what they're looking for, type seven, similar to type nines, like to live very much so externally or on the surface. And if you make them go internal, if you make them look underneath the surface, then that could really be frustrating to them because they want to move away from negativity. They Mm want to avoid pain. And if you bring pain, then they're going to want to move away from it. Now they might get ahead of it kind of like threes or like all of us will, but that's, that's what we have to be mindful of in type sevens and giving them feedback or why they might resist feedback. They don't want to go underneath the surface. They don't want to be limited. They don't want to have to face that dark place. That's really helpful. My wife is a type seven. That's, so that's is, why I was this asking. This is marriage you. counseling as well. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, man, that was really great. Uh, you know, being able to go through this. I'm glad that one, you and I, you know, sitting around the office, we were having a conversation about humility and teachability and it translated over to the podcast. Yeah. So for those of you that are listening, I hope you enjoyed this. If you loved it, chances are someone else will go ahead and share it. And if you liked it, let us know why. Let us know in the review. Give us a review. Was it accurate for your type? What else do you want to know about your type? And please give us a subscribe so that way you know anytime we release a new podcast. And by the way, we develop eight key skills. We develop leaders that lead leaders. And if you are that person or you have a team of leaders that you want to be developed interpersonally and you want to partner with True Strategy, we have a done-for-you development solution. Right, Tim? We sure do, and it's awesome. We want to save you some time and some energy and some money in developing your people, and we want to give that to you for 14 days free. So click the link below, and you will get access to True Strategy Growth Platform, where it's coaching, community, and courses to grow in all these areas. Plus, you'll get to spend some time with Tim and I weekly. Weekly, we go live there to support that community, and we'd love to have you. So thank you for joining us on another episode. We'll see you on Thursday. Done. That's how you do it right there.